Hello, everyone. We're glad you're here. This is the debut episode, episode one of Highway to Hoover, the official podcast of SEC Extra at D1Baseball.com. What is SEC Extra, you might ask? And that's a fabulous question, uh, because until this week, it didn't exist. It is a new project with D1Baseball.com, spearheaded by uh, the, the two men who joined you today. I'm Joe Healy and uh, Mark Etheridge joining me. You, you might know him as, uh, on a different podcast, the Nerd Master General. So if you're a fan of the Nerdcast as I am, he will be a familiar voice for you. Um, but this is going to be the podcast guide to the SEC baseball season in 2023 and and beyond. Uh, God willing, you know that we <laughs> that things go well in 2023, and, and Mark and I don't don't run this car into the ditch. But um, so we're going to be the audio guide to the season for you. Um, the, the the goal with SEC Extra is to give you the SEC baseball fan more, and as the name suggests, extra. Um, so the nuts and bolts of what it is is a subscription add-on to your d1baseball.com subscription um totally sec focused all sec all the time and i think you know you as an sec fan understand why that is i think even non-sec fans can understand why the conference is in a place where it deserves that kind of of extra attention um at the top though i want to be clear um if you are a d1baseball.com subscriber you are not losing anything i want to be very upfront and, and honest about this i think understandably there could be some worry that hey i've subscribe to d1baseball.com and gotten plenty of sec coverage at d1 baseball um are you just moving everything sec behind this extra paywall and the answer to that is no um the sec coverage you've always gotten at d1 baseball will continue kendall and aaron are going to cover sec games just as they've always had they're going to talk about sec games on their podcast certainly the nerdcast will be plenty sec heavy when that time of the year comes around that is not going away that is going to stay same as it ever was in addition, we are adding SEC Extra onto that. And Mark and I, and, and you know maybe some others from time to time, are going to chip in and give you some little extras on SEC baseball. So let's start with that. And I, I will pass the baton over uh, to my colleague here, Mark. Um, Mark is uniquely positioned to be a part of this project. I, you know, I, I think folks, Mark, are familiar with your work. You've been with D1 Baseball from the jump. Um, some people might not necessarily know though, kind of the deeper history of, of your covering the conference. So for those who are completely new to this, or maybe for those who have only known you from your work with D1, give us a little, just a little background on your history with this conference and why, you know, you're excited about this project. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Um, I have been covering college baseball since 1998. That makes me old, but it also makes me experienced. I Older suppose. than the 64-team um, format. Yeah, really. Um, I, I think the, the the big thing that I'm looking to do here is, you know, is tell stories. I mean, I, I think that's the key. When you look at the SEC and, and all the connections that we have to people, to players, to schools, to programs, to to facilities, to all these things that make the sport what it is. Um, there's so many things that aren't told or they're, or they're maybe halfway told. And I think that's what Joe and I will try to do is go a little bit deeper, go, take that next level and try to understand, yeah, we're going to cover the results on the field. That's a given. Uh, you can't help but do that when you're covering college baseball. But, but there's so many other stories beyond – uh, who wins the league or who's going to a regional or who's making it to Omaha or all those kinds of things. Those, those stories are, are often told. The ones that aren't told are the ones about the, 
you know, the, the cool person out in the in the outfield or the player who's overcome something to to get to where he is. Or maybe it's maybe it's just kind of something that's just kind of quirky and offbeat and and you know, oftentimes those get missed. And those are the kinds of things I'm interested in because I'm I'm quirky and offbeat. So I think that's the that's what we're going to try to do this, you know, with, with SEC Extra. Again, it's extra. It's, it's not anything – you're not losing what you had. You're gaining something. It's Lanyap. We have a term down on the Gulf Coast. It's a little something extra, and that's what you're going to get with, with, with what Joe and I are going to do this year. Now, yeah, first of all, you, you quick, mentioned history. Um, yep. let, let me let me kind of go back and to give listen to Uncle Mark give you a history lesson of, of what, what Joe was alluding to earlier. You know, I started a long time ago. Um, I was I don't know my mid twenties and working a lot, and my wife told me you need a hobby, and I got one, and it was covering college baseball, and I started something on my own, and it kind of grew into. You know, SE, SE Baseball, which kind of grew into, you know, kind of took off and had a life of its own for a while. And and then D1 started, and I, and I moved over and joined with D1. And so over that time, you know, you kind of gain a, an appreciation for the, for the characters of the game and the history of the game. And, and, and with that, I think that will allow us to go in and, you know, use – Use some of those contacts. Use some of that um, experience to 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 find that that those hidden gems, and that's what I'm hoping that we're able to do. You know, th- this spring. You know, offbeat in between you and I, like offbeat and quirky, might actually be like the official <laughs> posture of this of this podcast. I think that could describe both of us. Also, Gulf Coast can describe both of us. I uh, you know yeah. grew up in Houston myself, which is you know. It, as far as big it cities is. go, about as Gulf Coast as a big city gets, you know. Um, so, yeah, certainly Lanyap, Lanyap, yes, absolutely a great way to put it there. A little extra, a little extra stuff there. I um, you talked about what you're looking to bring to the table. I actually uh, wrote out, and by wrote out, I mean literally. And I'll do a little ASMR for the listeners here. You can hear I wrote it on a actual piece of paper here. Well, printed it actually. Mark can see that I've printed it. Um, although Mark can also see that I ran out of clean printer paper. So I have printed it on the back of this official form from my, um, very um, efficient vision insurance provider. So yeah, <laughs> you know, we're still, we're still working out some kinks here anyway. So I, I wrote a little mission statement for what I'm looking to, to do here, what we're looking to do here. And that is to meet the quality of play and depth of storylines on the field with commensurate coverage, both in terms of depth and breadth. So, in other words, we want to provide coverage above and beyond what's been provided for a conference that continues to go above and beyond in terms of results on the field. And I thought about a couple of examples. Uh, Mark gave some great ones. There's just an opportunity to do some stuff that's unexpected. I know just in talking with the folks here at D1 Baseball, just like, you know, BSing and throwing ideas around, spent a lot of time at ABCA. Uh, last week, just kind of doing that. And, and some of the, some of the ideas that we've thrown out there, I don't know if we'll be able to pull them off, but we're sure going to try things. I can guarantee you that. And that's exciting. But on the nuts and bolts side too, I think about last year, some of the stories in the SEC that frankly just got kind of overlooked, right? We, we spent a lot of time and rightfully so I'm not saying this was wrong. Spent a lot of time talking about Tennessee and like, why would we not? Right. Um, there was a lot of interest in Arkansas because it was kind of like, 
you know, this team is pretty good, but they have RPI problems. And mm. so how good are they? You know, there was a period of time where we thought the SEC might be down just because we could. And I think that a lot of that had to do with Arkansas because they kept winning games, but we weren't sure how good they actually were. Right. And then come to find out, oh, the SEC is great as it usually is. Got got all those teams to Omaha. But, um, you know, we paid a lot of attention to Texas A&M because there was so much interest coming into the year about this is a team almost exclusively built through the portal. How is that going to go? Well, it turns out the answer was great, unmitigated success. But what got lost there, in my opinion, is stories like Ole Miss, frankly. Like there just wasn't what Ole Miss was doing late in the regular season. Now, once the postseason got going, there was plenty of attention paid because there was they were at that point, they were a great story. And they were the last team in the field of 64, let's not forget. But in the regular season, what they were doing to kind of get back in position to be an at-large team was kind of a cute story, but I don't think anyone really thought anything was going to come of it, right? So that was actually a story that until the postseason kind of wasn't getting talked about. Or a team like Georgia, that yes, a flawed team, an injured team when it was all said and done, but all season they were a perfectly solid regional team from pole to pole. Mm -hmm. And yet... Um, you know, they're just, that was a team that kind of got lost in the shuffle and they go to the regionals and they, they get eliminated. And it's like, okay, well they had a season or even Vanderbilt. It was kind of a, it felt like a down year for Vanderbilt. And I guess it was by their classical standard, right? Um, there was a lot of interesting stuff there that, that just didn't get as much attention because it was not a historically great Vanderbilt team. Like, you know, like what we've come to expect. So there's just a lot of, you know, I'm not even talking about teams at the bottom end of the sec. There's a lot of good stories and good teams in the sec that just don't they just end up getting lost yeah. in the shuffle because there's so much to cover and so i think there's an opportunity for you and i and, and anyone else who chips in with us at sec extra to kind of just take a step back and um supplement what d1baseball.com is doing by taking some of those stories that maybe are are good stories that have been overlooked teams that are good but maybe not flashy you know mm -hmm. teams that are solid but aren't getting a lot of attention and really shining a light on them and being able to serve those fans um, by telling them what's what with their team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's well said, Joe. And it, just to put a bow on that, I think that the thing is when you're covering a sport nationally, it's really easy to get spread too thin. And when we're reducing our scope to 14, and I know that 16 is coming, but 14 teams this year, you can, you can go deeper on each one and you can find those hidden gems and find those stories that, that maybe don't get told or get half told. So that's the, that's really exciting for me. I, I can't wait to dig in and, and, and find, find these, you know, these things that, and, and write stories that people are going to keep and make memories of and print out and keep, show their kids one day and all of this cool stuff that we're going to do. It's, it's really a great opportunity. And yeah, and, and I can I can promise you, if you're listening to this, no matter what your SEC team is, like we're we're going to have good stuff for you. Like that's I can't promise just because logistics are a thing, and Mark and I are two people who have other responsibilities and families and so on and so forth. But we're gonna we're gonna try to see all 14 teams live in person in living color. Now, again, Logistics will come into play there. We'll see what happens. But certainly if we don't see them all alive and in living color, we're going to be watching them every weekend. Yeah. And even even the teams that don't have good seasons in 2023, because like, you know, newsflash, somebody has to lose games. Um, there's going to be bad teams. You know, nobody thought last year Mississippi State would be one of them. Right. So 
some team is going to lose games and lose games in a big way. And we'll still have coverage of that team. We're still going to tell stories about that team. Uh, we're going still going to treat those teams with, with kind of vigor and, and dignity and covering them. And so if you're listening to this, we're going to have something on your team. Now, again, the best teams will get, will get the light share of coverage. That's how it works. But, but we really will strive to cover the entirety of, of the SEC and not just a mile wide and an inch deep or not an inch wide and a mile deep. We're, we're going to mm-hmm. try to give you a little bit of both. And, and we'll see. You know, we're, I can also promise you that we will continue to tinker. What it, what it looks mm-hmm. like on day one is not going to be what it looks like when we get to Omaha this year and, and certainly will not look the same as it will a year from now once we have kind of adjusted things. But, um, but I, I will echo Mark and that I'm really excited. And we will use that as a pivot point. Um, I kind of want to talk – we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming season just to to whet the appetite a little bit in what is otherwise going to mostly just be an, an introductory podcast here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about – you talked about history, Mark, and, and uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I remember reading you at, at scbaseball.com and that kind of being my entree into SEC baseball, and that was a different SEC baseball world at that time. Yeah. 20, we're talking 20 years ago now. You know, um, I think we were seeing the seeds of what we, we – see now um certainly by that point lsu was a juggernaut and had been a juggernaut and I, you know i guess 20 years ago they were kind of maybe going through it a little bit but but you know what i mean they were well established mm-hmm. as, a, as a juggernaut this is kind of the seeds of what south carolina would become getting sown you know they get to the the title game in 2002 i believe um so things were happening in the sec right arkansas is starting to be on dave van horn gets there not long after and they, they really start getting going um so when you look back at, at that time a couple decades ago, give us a sense of your take on, on what has changed and the, fundam- yeah. the fundamental undergirding differences in the league that got it to the point where they are now, where it's not just the results in the field, but oh, by the way, we're going to create an entire website just dedicated to covering mm-hmm. this one conference in college baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, when you go back, I believe it was 2006 and 2007, the SEC got one team into Omaha both years, and and it went 0-2 both years. Think about that. Juxtapose that to today, right? I mean, if they don't get three, it's just a disaster, okay? Four is kind of expected at this point. I mean, that's just – and that's that's half the field. That's really an an odd place to be. and And – you talk about how it got to this point, and I've got a story on this uh, that, that, you, that everyone can check out. But I, I think the big thing is, is it starts with money, and it starts money is the foundation and the commitment and being able – and that's that support, you know, commitment support uh, to be able to start by bringing in the best coaches you can find and upgrading facilities. Okay, you do those two things, and guess what? You start to get players, right? You got good coaches. You got good facilities. Who doesn't want to come play for that, right? So so then you start to get better players, okay? Then the next thing happens, you start – you have better players. You start to get – you start to win games. You start to get more draft choices. And that, that you know, it just kind of spawns to that next level of player and that next, uh, you know, level of – facility upgrade and the next level of coach. And now, Oh, this team in my conference is doing it. Why can't I do it? And it just, it, it just spawned and spawned and spawned. And I think that that's the thing with, with this, it's 
once the exposure increased, and honestly, ESPN with the whole ESPN Plus app, and you can watch all the home games. I mean, that's a huge, huge benefit as well. All of that kind of put together when you had that strong foundation to give the facilities. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other conferences with programs with great facilities, with great coaches. Obviously, that, that's true. I think the difference is, is just the, the preponderance of it in the SEC where you don't, um, you, you don't have that, that one or two outlying programs. It's the, it's the norm, not the exception. And because of that, it's, it's, it's such a brutal dog-eat-dog uh, dog world. But from a fan's perspective, it's fascinating because you, you are really – the margin for error is so small. You could be at the top of the mountain one season and really take a huge step back, right? And even within the season, as we saw with Ole Miss, they were preseason darlings, fell back and looked like their season was over and somehow clawed their way up, and it won the whole thing, Right? And those kinds of stories are just so fascinating. And and while they're not exclusive to the SEC, the SEC seems to have more of them. And and that's what we'll be able to do is is tell those stories and and, and give give you a glimpse of. Uh, I'll be honest, I am awful at predicting games. I am terrible at telling you who's going to win. So don't take my my advice if I ever pick a game. But. You know, we can tell you what happened after it happened and tell it in an interesting and interesting way that that hopefully will connect with you. And, that, and that's what we'll try to do. Yeah. And of course, you know, Mark and I aren't uh, neither of us are scouts, evaluators of any kind, but but we sure can talk to some, you know, right. talk, talk to, to, to other coaches and talk to some people who do a lot of evaluating. And, and so, you know, we will we will pass that along. That is that is our job and, and our goal there. I think it's. I think you, you nailed it right on there and money is the biggest factor, but I think what you're touching on there is that money, if, 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 if money is like this circle here and I'm doing hands gestures to Mark that none mm-hmm. of the listeners can see, which is great podcasting, but like if, if money is this big circle and it's like a Venn diagram, it's not quite two circles laid on top of each other, but I would say a circle that engulfs most yeah. of that is just commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Because commitment can come in a lot of forms and, Money is the biggest one, right? And you touch on the facilities are the thing that we can see with our eyeballs the easiest. But you're right about coaching. Um, it's the ability to not only hire good coaches, but keep good coaches. I mean, you, you look at some of the yeah. assistant coaches in, in the SEC that have, I don't doubt, a number of opportunities to go coach at pretty good college baseball programs that are just like, you yeah, know, I'm professional good. One, as we Correct. saw with LSU. <laughs> Correct. And, you know, they just decided, no, I'm good. I'm good here you know, that's a game changer for sure. Because, yeah. you know, you look at programs that kind of have yo-yoing results or uneven results. And a lot of times you can point to coaching staff turnover, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the SEC has been not insulated from it, but has been better insulated from it because they are able to commit to, you know, paying the coaches and, and providing the coaches with things in, in a way that wants, that it makes them want to stay. Um, so it's, but it's also stuff like, dollars for travel and sec teams can go play in interesting tournaments and interesting road games and you know get good opponents to come to their place um you know if you're a college baseball player that's that's stuff you want yeah and pitching labs and indoor hitting facilities and track man and all of that stuff that that maybe you know maybe some schools don't have and are only have part of it 
And here in, in the SEC, it's kind of the exception if you don't at this point. And I think that what goes with that and, and what is always interesting to cover is, is the expectation level. And there are of the 14 teams in the SEC, and I'm not looking at a full list here to do the full accounting, but I, you know, there are what 12 SEC teams at least in a given year that if they don't make regionals are going to be extremely disappointed at best and at worst be outraged by it, you know, yeah. and, and, and at this point there's probably also five or six in a given year, at least that think we should be in Omaha. And if they're not, right. we're going to be at best disappointed and at worst outraged by it. And that's, that's what comes with it. And that makes for interesting stories too, because what we've, what we, that has created is a cauldron, um, you know, right. by which, you know, teams kind of prove their mettle or kind of wilt under that, that kind of pressure. So that, that, that in and of itself makes for interesting stories. Yeah, it does. I mean, and honestly, if you're in the SEC, you should be, your goal heading into the season is, okay, I can be a regional team. Because if you're in contention, I mean, if you're in contention for Hoover and 12 teams go to Hoover, okay? If you're in contention for Hoover, you're in contention for a regional, right? And you might need a few breaks. You might need things to go your way. Um, but you are. And, you know, and I think that's the cool part is, you, we go into this, and yeah, it's dog eat dog, and and anybody can beat anybody, and that's all cliche and you know it's sports writer talk, right? But it's really true because that th that's that's the way that these teams are built. So it's going to be so much fun this year to go through and and see because I mean, two years ago, who thought Tennessee was going to become this juggernaut? Okay, who thought? I mean, I sir, I didn't see it coming. I mean, they could be good, but not like what they were last year. Someone else could move into that. Who who could it be? Could it be, you know, one of these other clubs that, you know, catches lightning in a bottle, gets a few players to really, you know, be that little bit of lanyap to move them to the next step, and then all of a sudden they're on a rocket ship heading towards towards Omaha. So I, I, I'm really fascinated to see where this goes this year. Yeah, I think I think that's one thing that the SEC has proven in recent years is that, you know for better or worse, because I do think what gets lost a little bit, not just in the SEC, but in, in college baseball and not just in college baseball, but in college sports is mm -hmm. that you don't need several years to kind of, you know, figure it out and build a team and build a roster and build a program to win. Now yeah. you can do it that way. And there are examples right. of that. And there are some coaches who would love to still be doing it that way. But, you know, with what Texas A&M did last year, just really rebuilding on the fly. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Tennessee. It's a great example. Tennessee is an interesting one, too, because, yes, Tony Vitello and his staff brought in some some key recruits that really kind of jump-started that deal, but he they also won a lot of games and a lot of players who were already there in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. It's not That was not a situation where they just kind of, like, pressed the reset button totally on that roster. So, I mean, they were in a regional in 2019 – um, with a lot of players who were already there. And then in 2021, there were still some holdovers, you know, and, and then even into last year with a guy like Luke Lipsius, who'd been there forever. Um, so that that's an interesting thing. But, but it does create a situation where there's just an expectation that, hey, you're going to, especially if you're a new coach coming in, like that you're going to get this thing tuned up pretty quick. Like that's just kind mm -hmm. of the deal at this point. Um, so that, of course, makes makes it all the more interesting. So well, that's you, the new world we're in. I mean, with the transfer portal, I mean, you can flip a roster pretty quickly and, and, and upgrade it. Of course, you know, th that's always the, 
you know, that, that, that cost-benefit analysis. Hey, I'm going to bring in this guy, but I'm going to take this other guy off, and he may leave, right, because I'm, I'm recruiting over him. So it's, it's that fascinating aspect of roster management that um, honestly with 11.7 scholarships and all of the, the, the moving parts, I mean, it's really a puzzle that these coaches have to put together to, to understand how to build their roster each year. And those are some of the other things that we'll go into uh, throughout the season. Yeah, it's a great segue to talking a little bit about what we're excited for this season because to me, I, I don't know how you could go into this SEC season and not be just endlessly fascinated by LSU. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a team that was already going to have legitimate Omaha aspirations going into this season, even if they'd have done nothing in the transfer mm-hmm. portal and it had just an average recruiting class because they're, they're bringing back Dylan Cruz, they're bringing back yeah. Trey Morgan, you know, they're bringing back a talented pitching staff that, you know, now maybe is like a little um, with what, especially with, with Wes Johnson in the fold, like, a you know, taking big steps forward. Like there was just a lot of reason for optimism there with that group already. And then, oh, by the way, they're bringing in the best transfer class in the country and the best yeah. traditional recruiting class in the country. And now they look like they could really be a juggernaut. And that is going to be, I, I've described it as a science experiment. And I think that's what it mm-hmm. is just because not everyone is going to play. And I'm not really, I'm not even really suggesting that's going to cause a rift on the roster or anything. Although I guess theoretically it could, I just mean, unlike really anything we've ever seen, this feels like a situation where they're just going to be really talented guys who, you know, just are going to struggle to get run and the depth is going to be extraordinary and, and they might need it because injuries happen and, and, and all that, all that jazz. But I think it's like last year with Tennessee's team where, you know, Blake Burke and Christian Moore just really couldn't crack the lineup every day because the depth they have, but still put up insane stats. I mean, those two guys combined for, 200 at bats, give or take, and had 24 home runs on the season. I mean, that in 200 at bats is not even as many as the regulars in the lineup get. So they they hit 24 home runs and less than a full time player's number of at bats. And so LSU is going to be that again this year, but I think maybe to an even greater degree, perhaps. Um, We'll see. So we've just never seen, I said this on the the main D1 baseball podcast in the offseason, like deeper into the offseason, that we just never seen a team built like this. We we've seen juggernauts because we bring back our entire team from the previous year. Right. Like we've yep. seen that a tale as old as time. We've also seen a and M last year where it was like, this roster needs to be reset ASAP and let's build it on the fly. Let's build the plane while we're flying it. Right. We we've now seen that this is something different where this was already a really good team, maybe a great team. And now they've added all these parts to it. And building it like this, can that take them from possibly great to maybe historically great? We'll see. And that's no matter which way that goes, that's going to be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I think, you know, a couple points there, uh, you know, our sport is one that you recruit well in advance and Jay Johnson's really early in his LSU tenure when you're considering you're recruiting eighth and ninth graders these days. Okay. So, what he's been able to do is is continue to recruit, you know, traditional high school kids, but also supplement that with the portal. And everywhere he's been throughout his career, he's had great offenses. Okay, last year they didn't pitch all that great. Well, what did he do? He went out and got a big league pitching coach. Um, 
this looks really promising. If I'm LSU fan, I am fired the heck up because I've got all these toys to play with. I've got a coach who has a track record of, uh, of great offenses, and I have a pitching coach with a track record of getting the most out of guys. Um, the only thing that worries me is the best team typically doesn't win the whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah, as, as we've seen with, with, with Arkansas, with, with Andy, with Tennessee through the years, uh, it's, it's just been a, a, one of those kind of things, and they look like the best team on paper. Yeah, it, the, you, you mentioned earlier, too, that, that there's nothing guaranteed. You could be on top of the world and then the next year really be going through it. And I think one of the other things I'm looking forward to this year is, is what we get next from Mississippi State. Just, I mean, last year's team, I don't think anyone saw that kind of fall coming. And, and even if you, right. okay, they, they, they lost Landon Sims early in the year. And, you know, maybe with him, there's something closer to a bubble team. But that was a team that was ranked really highly in the preseason, and, and people thought a lot of in the preseason. And even if even if Landon Sims is fully healthy and is the best version of himself, like that still did not look like it was going to be the team that we thought it was going to be. And so you add that injury and, and others on top of that, mm-hmm. and you get what you get. Where they were I think nine and twenty-one. I don't have it here in front of me in, in the SEC. Um, so how far do they bounce back? I think it's safe to assume the answer is some. But something that I think you and I are both kind of interested in is just that this league is so hard to climb back up from. Just ask teams like Missouri and, and Alabama and Kentucky that are kind of perpetually trying to climb up this ladder, and it's just not easy. Um, you know, Mississippi State is talented. We know that. Um, there's a lot of reason for optimism there. They brought in a great transfer class led by Colton Ledbetter, who you know could be this year's Sunny D in terms of – a very different type of player, but coming from Samford, coming right. from Samford, you know, is probably ready to be a dude in the SEC right away. They've got a pretty deep pitching staff, but but I just have questions about: Can you go from what they were last year? Can you climb all the way back up in the SEC to win 17, 18, 19 games in the league? That's, I mean, that's a really, really hard thing to do. Even though that's a, still a relatively small number of wins we're talking about, but the difference in you know, the difference in the best and worst team in the SEC is, is typically pretty small. And so that makes it tough to climb out of that middle class. And so is is Mississippi State just kind of a, a bubble team, solid regional team, or truly can they get back to being an Omaha contender? Um, it yeah. remains to be seen, but it, that's just it's not just going to be as simple as we're going to be healthier. We'll have some better fortune. And voila, we're back to being at the top of the SEC. It just doesn't doesn't typically work like that. Right. Was last year a blip or was right. it a harbinger right. of things to come? And, and I think, you know, the cool thing about Mississippi State is they, you know, with all the, the history and tradition and the fans there, that's a real home field advantage. So they do have an opportunity to, to I don't know if steal games is the right term, but influence games. And, and because of that, you know, it's a really good home schedule coming in this year. I know Ole Miss is going to be be in town. I can't imagine, you know, the the two reigning national champions meeting in Starkville, and what I think that's mid-April. It's going to be amazing. I think those are the kinds of uh, things. If you have success in those big moments, it can propel you, you know, and give you confidence to 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 really 
succeed down the stretch. And, and I think that's where Mississippi State is. After last year's, you know, just kind of abysmal performance, it's hard to sugarcoat it. Um, the, they need something good to happen, right? They need that positive momentum to, to, to move forward. And I think, you know, some of those early games, I think Arizona State comes in. I mean, those, those are the kinds of series that, that could really tell us a lot about where Mississippi State's going to be this year. I agree totally. I'm actually going to be in Starkville. I'm going to be at because in, in Oxford that weekend, Maryland comes to town. And I think Maryland's very, very good. I mean, favorite in the Big Ten, um, you know, really, really good team. So I'll be in Mississippi that weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing Arizona State against against Mississippi State, because to your point on paper, I think Mississippi State should win that series. Obviously, it's at home. That helps. But like mm-hmm. Arizona State is just talented enough. I mean, they talk about a team that's really rebooted in the portal like that's that's the deal with them. Yeah. Um, they're talented enough that if Mississippi State comes out flat or if they're not uh, cut above what they were last year, like they could get beaten that series. That would not be a shocking result if that happens. So I think it's a great litmus test there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Florida too. I mean, Florida I'm kind of fascinated mm-hmm. by because that's a team that just has, speaking of teams that just haven't quite been up to the standard. I mean, they haven't bottomed out by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, you, you look at, you know, last year they kind of just ran into a hot, team with you know um you know running into to Oklahoma in the postseason and but they lose in a home regional kind of an embarrassing fashion the year before um uh was that was that south that ran them off the field in that in that regional uh the year before Mark do you remember yeah like, well yeah. in Miami yeah I yeah mean, Miami Miami was there Florida was there in south uh south Alabama was there south Florida won the regional that's right. right. Yeah. So I said, was, I said South meaning South Alabama, but you're right. South Florida yeah. was also in that regional, right. right. Ended up winning it, but yeah, they just, so, but the pieces, it feels like at least in terms of star power, this could be a special group in Florida. You've got, you know, Hurston Waldrip from Southern Miss, you know, yeah. you know, one of the better pitchers in the country, team USA guy really mm-hmm. as dominant as pitchers go as pitchers come. And then you add to that Brandon Sprout, who if Brandon Sprout is your Saturday guy, like, hey, we're, we're cooking with gas, you know, yeah. uh, offensively, you, you got to like Wyatt Langford. So the pieces are there. The question is going to be, OK, what does the depth look like? Um, and that remains to be seen. But, you know, so I do think the pieces are there for it to be kind of a special year for Florida. And it feels like a, a program that that is kind of looking for something like that to jumpstart them back to the upper crust of college baseball. Yeah, I, I saw them play Georgia this fall, and it was – I mean, it really looked like those Florida teams from, you know, a few years ago when they had those those great – that premium pitching and and they had a couple of bats in the middle of the lineup that you just didn't want to pitch to. And, and I think that's the kind of team this shapes up as. You know, obviously they have to prove it, but um, it's a, it's a good-looking club. It really is. So – what uh, anything in that I have not mentioned there that has you kind of fired up for the season? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, the whole transfer portal thing. What's the impact going to be? I mean, you want to have teams from, you know, mid majors who mid major clubs that are, that lost guys to the SEC powers. What are those guys going to do? You know, for every Sunny D that we have, do we have another guy who really doesn't? materialize and, and doesn't step forward. How does that look? Um, and are there going to be just surprises? I mean, it's always every year there's some team that comes out of nowhere or are all of us, quote, experts expect to finish down in the league that, that figures it out. Maybe there's a, 
maybe there's a new player coming in or or an ex- established guy who just kind of figures it out. And, and who's that going to be? I think the other thing I'm really interested in is what will the selection committee do this year? Ole Miss was the last team in. I had them out. I really didn't think they would get in. Um, does this change the math a little bit? A team that was anywhere from 63 to 68 in the, in the S-curve wins the whole freaking thing. Do you change how you evaluate? Do you look at some of these power clubs differently than you did prior to this? Because now you have this, this example to, to focus on. I think that'll be interesting. I don't know the answer, and I don't think we may not know the answer for a few years, but it will be fascinating to watch through the, through the season to just see who, you know, if, if there's an SEC team that is maybe, you know, in traditional years would be out, are they really out because of the, the Ole Miss factor, right? And it probably won't be Ole Miss this year. It could be someone else. But someone's going to be in that role, and it's going to be – I'm really curious just to, just to see how that, will, uh, how, how that will transpire. Yeah, I think especially when we – when the SEC goes to 16, mm-hmm. I, I think it is going to create an interesting situation where I, I do wonder if there's a, so I, I agree with your point. Like that is interesting this year. And then in typical, like good improv partner way. Yes. And I'm also mm-hmm. fascinated to see in a couple of years when the league expands to 16 and, and you're adding quality, at least in theory with Texas yeah. and Oklahoma, if there's Omaha a teams last year, if right. there's correct. Yeah. If there's a philosophy shift, in the way the committee goes about their business. And, you know, by that, I mean, you know, typically we, we kind of, and you understand more better than, than just about anybody, but I think even the listeners who have really been following along kind of understand generally that if you win 15 in the regular season, which is 500 in SEC play, you're in good shape. If you win 14, it kind of depends on some other factors. If you're, if you win 14 in the regular season and your RPI is 22, like, okay. But if it's 44, then like, eh, you know, and if you're in 13, you're really on thin ice, you better hope the bubble is soft. And you also might want to win some games in Hoover, right? And anything below that, you got to make a run in Hoover. So we, we kind of understand the rhythm of that. Um, Now Ole Miss did kind of break the mold a little last year. um, But I wonder if it changes even more when we have 16 teams. What is that math like? Now, we don't know how the schedule is going to break. There are a lot of variables that we just don't know yet. Yeah. But do we get do are, do we start to live in a world where, you know, I remember the it's probably five years ago or so in softball when every SEC team got in the field of 64. Now, that's mm-hmm. a different philosophy. <laughs> that is clearly, and I don't know softball that well, um, that is just clearly a philosophy of, all, all of these teams in the SEC are among the best 64 teams in the country, so therefore we're going to put them in regardless of what their SEC record was. Right. So do, do we get a philosophy, something close to that? Do we start to see teams that are, you know, 11 and 19 in SEC play or whatever the equivalent is when that schedule shakes out start to get into the yeah. tournament? Or do they continue to draw a hard line at, you better be pushing 500, uh, if you if you want to get in, so that's a that's a down the road 
problem for us to, to, to look at, but it is something that I, I do start to think about, especially if we continue to live in a world where you look up in June and it's like three SE teams, five SEC teams, four SEC teams, whatever it is. And it just becomes undeniable that like, or at least the discussion starts to become undeniable. Like we need to talk about how we view this league versus everything else. Yeah. Well, it's the age of argument. We go through this on the Nerdcast every year is best versus most deserving. Okay. So someone had a great year in a league that maybe isn't as, as strong. How do you weight that? Right. Is it, it certainly matters. Okay. Winning games should be important. Um, I, you know, the, the whole deal is being able to, to do that evaluation and, and understand who's the, you know, who's the best team, who's the most deserving team and have some sort of way to evaluate the difference between those. Cause I think that's, I mean, that's what the committee is there to do. Right. Otherwise, you know, you just look at RPI and you, pick the at-larges that way, and that's not really what they do. I mean, sometimes it seems that way, but it's not. Um, so it's trying to figure that that out, and I agree. That is really fascinating. And and when you add two powers to the mix, okay, so what does that do to the math? There's only a, there's a finite, you know, number of spots. We're talking about at-larges here. So if you give to one, you have to take from another. So where does that come from? And I think those will be the things that can be a different answer every year, but those are the things that, that, that will follow, you know, on the SEC side, in addition, you know, from an SEC focus and then look at it from our partners, you know, on the, on the main D one side to give that, that bigger picture look. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, that's well put as a, as a kind of a closer here, just that, you know, our hope is to kind of help listeners and, and readers kind of, cut through and be able to cut to the chase and be able to, you know, I think Mark and I are both not, we're not deluding ourselves into thinking that we have all the answers, but maybe we can help us get a little bit closer to some answers as the season uh, gets a little closer, even though we readily admit we both didn't see that for Ole Miss last year, right? I, no. I was not doing bracketology, you know, this time last year, but had I been doing it, I would have had Ole Miss out. That's just kind of what it was, but, um, but what a ride that they, uh, they took us on after that. So, um, couple things before we get out of here, um, just briefly. Um, the first thing is that SEC Extra is live. Uh, go subscribe, why don't you? If you, if you enjoyed this, um, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg of, of what Mark and I are, are going to be doing. Um, you know, we, we will have podcasts every week. Those uh, one podcast a week will be free uh, to everyone, um, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. There will be bonus podcasts thrown in. Uh, some of those will involve Mark and I. Some will involve me and some special guests. Some will involve me on some special topics. Um, those, some of those, this, the extra podcasts every week will be subscriber only. So if you want that kind of audio, you will have to subscribe to get it. Mark and I will have a whole bunch of stuff during the season. Um, but just around the corner is our preseason content, um, just to give you a little bit of an expectation on what that's going to look like. So again, circling back to what we talked about at the top, you know, um, there will be a regular SEC preview on D1Baseball.com. If you read that every year, as as I do, um, that will continue to exist. If you are subscribing to D1Baseball.com, you will still get that. You know, team breakdowns, prospect lists, all of that stuff. Um, Mark and I will be doing something a little bit different. We're going to preview all 14 SEC teams. Um, there will be a landing page on SEC Extra for every team. And on every landing page, there will be 
six different pieces of content uh, for each team previewing the season. So I'll let you kind of discover those for yourself rather than rattling them off here. Um, but six different pieces of content that give you a little bit of a different type of preview for each team, but we'll do it for all 14, just the same. That includes uh, preview podcasts. So Mark and I will record 15, 20 minutes if we really feel like chatting on each team uh, to give you an idea of what to expect for each team. That will be a part of our content package as well. So if you want all of that and so, so much more, uh, head over to d1baseball.com and subscribe. Um, you know, we, we would love to have you. Like I said, we, we, we can't, um, we can't promise you much because we we're kind of just uh, getting started in this endeavor, but we, we do promise you that we are going to try some different stuff. We're going to try some new stuff. We're going to try to break the mold in a lot of ways um, while also giving you a lot of stuff that, that you, you know, kind of have come to expect with SEC baseball coverage, just the quality that D1 baseball has done. We will, we will continue that just trying it a little bit of a different way and, and digging a little bit deeper and, and doing some, some different things. So D1 baseball.com to subscribe to SEC extra Mark and I certainly uh, would greatly appreciate that. So um, that is it for this episode one of Highway to Hoover. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, for Mark, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you next time.